Crock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Another one. Doing another one, Rad. Absolutely, we're doing another one. Yep, it's about no effects this time. Oh, finally. Yeah, about time these two stopped yammering on about everything that wasn't no effects and started talking about no effects. Well... <laughs> There we go. We're back. Hello, everybody. It's Punk Rock Elite with me, Eddie French. And me, Red Redmond. That's right. And today we are learning who we should never trust. Yeah. And I hear it's those dirty hippies. They are dirty, aren't they? And hippies. <laughs> you hate hippies. Do get in touch. Punk Rock Elite podcast at gmail.com. Certainly Fat Mike is no fan. <laughs> I don't know if we even mentioned this in uh, the episode today, but uh, you know that in uh, in Drugs Are Good, arguably the best no effects song. Sure. Uh, it starts off one, two, fuck off, drop out, never trust a fucking hippie. So he's just going back through his own uh, <laughs> through his own um, uh, songs there to find new things, which fits in with our unpopular rancid episode from uh, last week, uh, <laughs> where we uh, found out about uh, the. Uh, lyrics from time bomb being used uh previously in another rancid song so it all fits together <laughs> how have you been red you been all right i've been very well thank you how, how are you yeah good good actually yeah been um been tr- no, not as, as busy as I, as I would have liked but uh mm-hmm. been doing uh doing okay did um uh Chippenham for Will Hodgson did that yes. gig. That was good fun. Uh, enjoyed myself uh, immensely, as uh, long as the journey was. But that's that's part of the job, isn't it? Um, bit of a shame. We were due to have a, a photo shoot the following day, weren't we? But yes, which we've now rescheduled for later this month. Um, yes. But our, our, our photographer got COVID, which I think is awfully retro. Oh, it's back! <laughs> it's back, baby. Oh, wow. Well, as long as it's back, that's fine then. Which is good, because uh, hopefully it means that uh, she's uh, not been uh, not been getting any of those vaccines. Because I've heard they're not good for you. Yes, I've also heard that on podcasts. Mm. Oh, mainly on podcasts is where I've heard it. Yeah. Or from people who heard podcasts. But uh, <laughs> she's good, because normally I'd go NHS Direct, maybe WebMD. Mm-hmm. But uh, in this case, podcasts, much easier, because you can do it when you're at the shops. Yes. Uh, Or, uh, you know, quaking in fear about the Great Replacement or something else, you know, terrifying. So uh, (laughs) that's um, that's a good thing because they're going to... Did you see that the the guitarist of Deftones came out as a flat flat earther? Stephen Stephen Carpenter? Is that his name? It might be. Let me have a look. Deftones, flat earth. That'll do it. Absolutely. Or will I just get hole in the... Because they literally did a song called Hole in the Earth. And in the video of that, the earth is a sphere. So I bet their guitarist was livid about that. Uh, Yeah, it is. It's Stephen Carpenter. Did he? Because now you've said that, I think he said something. Did he say something like he was kind of like sympathetic to the idea or that he was like, whole sail in on it because i think he sort of he went the... on a on a conspiracy themed podcast and okay. said that he is indeed a flat earther oh the, right okay I, I got it wrong he uh i know that there's a bit where he says something like because he's toured so much hmm. he's like been on planes and stuff and right. he's like 
I ain't seen an edge to that shit or something like he's like I, I don't see the curve or something uh, so it's definitely flat lads <laughs> well okay well well if <laughs> well if the guitarist from Deftones says it then I I can't see how anyone else could possibly be right so <laughs> it's just funny I mean <laughs> I watched I, you change has a whole new meaning <laughs> I was I was literally working on an I watched you change joke and uh, you got there first. Never mind. Fine, fine, fine. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So I mean, that's that's really weird. I don't know. Is it weird? I didn't expect it from them. Like I, no. I have to say, I didn't expect it from a member of the Deftones. No, like if if one of Tool said it. Yeah, you'd, you'd be like fucking dust. Yes, of course. Like, I mean, I would imagine Tool would have to come out as round earthers. <laughs> just, we're just assuming they already believe that shit, and and they're going to have to go. Actually, um, we believe the Earth is a sphere, and they go. Whoa! We believe it's a sphere, but also with the golden ratio. Sure. Some, you know, that's what they'd be doing. There's probably a comfort to be taken from the idea that. Some people are lying to us and they've got it all under control. Because <laughs> at the moment, nothing's under control and that is quite frightening. But if everything's under control and they're just doing it and they have control of it, at least someone has control of it. Maybe that's <laughs> the comfort. I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I'm, I'm intrigued by Flat Earth because it's the whole... It's the, it's the idea that every... <laughs> pilot of both planes and ships is in on it yeah. <laughs> just and, and every pilot like oil rig workers you know like yeah yeah know, yeah like... yeah so all the, all the offshore workers uh up in the northeast of england going around all the bit. liberal elite are they yeah those guys <laughs> who spend six weeks on six weeks off two of those weeks are going off to turkey to get their teeth done and you know have and the rest of it's poncing around in expensive clothing because they earn a billion pounds a year and all this shit and it's like oh yeah well maybe that's because they're getting paid to shut up about it that's why offshore workers get paid so handsomely while they're all going around in designer clothes is because they're being paid by it must be the liberal elite who mm-hmm. love oil it's it everything makes so much sense it's funny because I, I as i recall that the flat earth society like the original one was like a debating which makes fucking sense for the internet doesn't it, it was like a debating group yeah yeah who no, just sort of yeah. got together and debated things that just for fun just for the process of debate rather than being right or wrong and the idea was well i could debate that the earth was flat and I would win the debate, even though we know, gentlemen, that the Earth is indeed an oblique spheroid. Rah, 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 rah. Mm-hmm. And then some people went, see, there was a flat Earth society. They knew. Like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> no, they didn't, Diane. Yeah, they did. They did, though. They were edge of the goal. Thought that weren't path, won it? <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thankfully. Well, no, but it was interesting, actually, um, hanging out with, uh, with, uh, with Will, uh, a comedian, after, um, you know, a famous comedian has been uh, recently revealed as being a wrong'un. You know, the wrong'un that we knew was a wrong'un. Oh, yes, the wrong'un mm-hmm. news. Yeah, so uh, it was sort of interesting. And then uh, and then finding out which comedians have been speaking out in favour and going, oh, yeah, they all work for GB News and conspiracy-type thing. Oh, it's all just a big thing, isn't it? So <laughs> it all blends together. So uh, I hope you've had a slightly less conspiracy-laden uh, time of it, Red. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think I saw this morning that Lawrence Fox has been arrested. 
He got arrested because he was planning on uh, destroying uh, cameras that enforce the ultra-low emission zones. I mean, and American listeners or, or listeners from around the world probably won't know who he is. He's 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 an actor that's just gone a bit mad. He's he's he's, an, he's a former actor that's furious about pronouns, and that's basically <laughs> the start and end of the history of Lawrence Fox. Yeah. Uh, I watched yeah. Gosford Park with him in the other day. It was really off-putting, just like no. this old period murder mystery with Stephen Fry. Yeah. And then Lawrence Fox is just in the background. You're like, he's mental now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a good... Was that a Robert Altman film? It is, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, Which I is like... why everyone talks over each other. Yes. Well, I, I love Robert Altman, and I yes. love period murder mysteries, but I don't think they're a good match. Yeah, it was like when um, it's like when Quentin Tarantino was slated to do a Star Trek project in the night in the late nineties, and yeah. everyone went, um, <laughs> "I'm like, no, apparently he's a big fan. No, I, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is." That got quite far in in uh, development, not production, it, but development. Of course, it did. He was a, he was the he was a, the bright young thing, hmm. and there wasn't you know there was Star Trek going on, but not as we know it now. <laughs> Sorry, I just realised what I said. So I didn't even reach for that one. But it was, you know, there was was what, what would that have been like? Deep Space Nine era. Well, I heard it more recently, so I don't know if it if the idea restarted. Oh. I heard that he was in talks with J.J. Abrams about the development of it more recently. Oh gosh, oh, following right. the more recent trilogy. But I don't know that it might the talks might have started in the nineties and then rebegun more recently. I imagine he could have probably demanded whatever he wanted in the 90s. For a certain yes. two, two three-month period, he'd have just been able to just go, I want to do that. There was talk of him doing a James Bond movie and stuff. I'm like... Really? I think so. I might... There's... Because they they were so desperate for James Bond to not be shit because they were like, Goldeneye. Okay, that was pretty good. Well, that's oh, what they, no. they do that a lot. I mean, they're doing that right now where they're like, they just desperately want Christopher Nolan to direct it because they <sighs> just don't want the next Bond film to be shit. So they're trying to get someone massive to do it. Yeah, but is Christopher Nolan really going to make a good James Bond film or is he going to make a Christopher Nolan film? Because those are two different things. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I liked his Batman film, so I'm fine. No, no, it. no it, it's not about whether I like... I like Memento. I thought that was really good, but it's yeah. like, that you don't... That isn't how you make a James Bond film. True, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's sort of... It's it's like asking Monet to do a Picasso. It's like you, it's not sure. It's always going to ring slightly hollow, and there's always going to be aspects to it. We go, I don't, mm, I don't know. That's, that's I think there's more interesting things for him to do, and I'm pretty sure he's said uh, that his next project is going to be a remake of The Prisoner, which does sound mm. intriguing to me. But The Prisoner is virtually perfect, though. Anyway. It, I thought it like I mean I actually haven't seen it, but I thought it like it never ended, or they forgot how to end it, or something. So I mean, you can read the prisoner so many different ways. It probably ended right in the first episode. It's it's <laughs> sure. it's, it's one of those ones. Um, I'm I mean equally, I'd much rather Christopher Nolan did um, uh, did film did original films of his own where he could sit there and just go go on. <laughs> ask me what it's about go on you want to know don't you you can't tell can you i am cleverer than you aren't i i'd rather that than fucking remakes and franchise shit which i'm uh, getting slightly i thought that 
and then Tenet came out, and now I want him to do the boring shit again. Oh, fair enough. Well, I, I don't, I've not, I, do you know what? I don't think I've seen any Christopher Nolan films since the Dark Knight ones because Interstellar uh, is very good. I, I'm, I'm sure, probably, I, like, well, I'm sure, I'm sure they're even I good, I but I, I just sort of, <sighs> I'm sure people are uh, absolutely certain I'm fronting, I'm putting this on, I'm doing whatever, but I, I just don't care about Christopher Nolan's output. Because he he spoils it by saying things like, "No, you've got to watch this in the cinema. It isn't proper." I'm like, "Mate, if you can't watch it on a phone. It's bullshit." There you go. I said it. I don't care. No, I don't necessarily mean that, but it's so so self important. Like, I am making cinema. Well, fuck off. <laughs> so self important. Anyway, um, that's uh, self importance coming from someone who's just spent a long time not talking about no effects on a no effects podcast. So. See how much of that stays in the edit. Yeah, sorry, guys. It's all right. <laughs> wolves in wolves' clothing and never trust a hippie. Yeah, the good this ones. This is this is good. This is. I think people have been waiting for this one. This is a popular. Wolves in wolves' clothing is definitely popular, um, and we're very very pleased to hear it. It's a good one. This I like it a lot. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And never trust a hippie, which I think is one of their stronger EPs. Yeah, fair. I, I would agree. And. Uh, you know, you got two songs off of Never Trust a Hippie and you've got those four other ones which are just, you know, you got your wrong on there. Come on. That's yeah. you got your wrong, you've got um moderation one, you've got all sorts of stuff. So uh yeah. If you're a fan of Wolves, if you're a fan of Never Trust a Hippie, uh punk rock elite podcast at gmail dot com, let us know. But uh, until then, we'll see you on the outro. Enjoy the episode. Crash landed right in the middle of Never Trust Wolves. That's what we're calling this episode. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's just, just a good... I, I like that. I like blending them. Like, um, yeah, it's better than Timmy the Decline, but... Yeah, or Wolf like in turtle. Hippie's Clothing. Wolves in Hippie's Clothing is pretty good too, but uh, I like having uh, short names for yeah. the uh, episodes, and this was the... Uh, Easiest one. This is, um, I've been proper enjoying listening to these two. Yeah, I have to say, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the research for this week. Um, I think I've got a lot to say about these two. Um, Very pleased to hear it. I feel like we're really, you know, like we've really, we've reached the golden circle of (laughs) the best of no effects. I I really do. I, um, I, I always liked Wolves. I always mm-hmm. liked it. I thought there was something quite interesting about it. I always thought there was more. We really start enjoying a bit of distorted bass on this album. Mm, yeah, the bass is because the bass is. I mean, in some of it, the bass has been it like on so long. For example, you've got a very sort of thin trebly bass. Yep, not um, not uh, very sort of elastic sounding strings. Like you got the beginning of. Um, uh, dad's bad news uh mm-hmm. or you've got the beginning of kids of the k-hole very flappy very trebly um sounds cool sort of cuts through and i think was designed to be listened to whilst skateboarding uh using shit headphones uh that's just the theory um <laughs> but in this um there's some bottom end to it there's some girth there's some gravel there's some uh griminess on it which is very very cool 
how familiar were you with Never Trust a Hippie as an EP? Um, pretty familiar, as I believe uh, it was included in, you know, years ago, you gave me like a pen drive with a lot of no effects on it. And ah. this was one of the ones that was on it. And it always stuck out to me as, um, at the time, my favorite uh, no effects EP. Like I just mm. think it. It, all the way through it is very good whereas some of their other eps if you aren't a no effects sort of like a big fan like if you're a, a new fan getting into their music i think a lot of their other eps can feel a little bit stop and start a little bit bitty but like this one is is great throughout yes absolutely absolutely i um <clears throat> i have a strange relationship with never trust a hippie only mm. in the sense that um when I, I bought it, uh, I think day of release, or I had it delivered to me day of release because I think I bought it online. Um, and it was exciting having two tracks from the new album. Yeah. But then what happened was, was I think I committed these to, um, I'm just going to bring up. Uh, bring up this because... Uh, sort of jumped over a little bit here let's just let uh, this was released on the 18th of april uh 2006 sure um which does make perfect sense because what happened was was that in 2007 i moved to madrid for a few years mm -hmm. and i had to leave behind all my cds and i had an ipod and because the iPod, I think it was 30 gig, which was a million gig in those days. <laughs> um, but in order to make it so that um, I was optimizing it, I didn't bother putting Seeing Double at the Triple Rock or the Marxist Brothers on the Never Trust a Hippie folder sure. because they were already included in the Full Wolves and Wolves clothing album. Yeah. So to me... It's like a four-track EP. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like yeah in yeah. my mind, I always, I can't, I, I have to keep on looking down to see which of the two album tracks are on there because I couldn't tell you. Because um, it, it is kind of like a teaser for the full album release that was on its way. Yes, well, that's it. With the, it's got the two. It's got essentially the single and the B side from the album of seeing Double at the Triple Rock and the Marxist Brothers, two mm -hmm. absolute bangers. But we'll get to that when we get to to Wolves proper. Yeah. But the, I think the the four songs. So we'll just talk about the four non-album tracks on here, just for streamlineability, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that these were four of the best No Effects songs I'd heard to this point. When I got it, I was just super, super excited about them. Yeah, and I think they. I think I felt that all of the sort of the atheism and the political, the sort of outwardly political stuff that you get on War on Errorism mm -hmm. is sort of distilled into something a little more sophisticated. It just yeah, in yeah. these four tracks, it goes on to carry on that theme on the the full album. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know how you uh, you feel about these these four. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think, like, um, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the first two songs more in depth later, but, like, yeah. they do kick off this EP in, like, 
I don't know. Um, I think they are two very, very strong songs to start an EP with. And then I think the remaining um, material on here, whilst not quite as strong, I, I would agree with you, like uh, up to this point are some of the better NoFX tracks that we've heard. Like there's a real, um, you know, like you, at this point it is undoubtable like how good at songwriting Mike has become. It's, it's almost annoying. It's, yeah. it's like uh, he has no right to be writing songs this clever and nuanced. <laughs> mm. Well, it's um, it, a, a, a bit of a rarity in recent in the more recent times. Earlier that uh, earlier on, they were happy to throw in covers and muck around. But uh, mm-hmm. the first non-album song we get to, track number three, "Golden Boys." Yes. Which, when I first heard it, I just remember thinking, this sounds incredible. I love the production on this. The guitars sound great. The guitars are cleaner than they've ever been, but they just sound huge. And I think that's because the bass is taking up a lot of that space, really filling yeah. out the bottom end and making it um, really, really hit. And the drums sound fantastic. The mix is good. His voice sounds incredible. Um, I think this is, Golden Boys is a song that was written by the Germs, Yes. But was recorded after Derby Crash's suicide um, by a band called Vagina Dentata. Mm-hmm. And it was on, I think, a flip side um, compilation. I don't know that it turned up on anywhere by Vagina Dentata. Really, really good. Um, I, I do recommend you can find it on YouTube. Uh, but there's also a great version by Pat Smear. Uh, on his yeah. solo album have you heard that one i've not no it's really really good um it's uh i think it was a uh, a post was it post nirvana i think it might have been post nirvana mm, i don't don't quite i'm not going to tell you when it was because i don't know i'm i've absolutely doubted myself there but yeah golden boys i really really liked it about um about kids joining the military from what I can glean anyway. Yeah. And I think that I really like its inclusion here because I think there's a lot about this album, which is like, Oh, look how far no effects have come, like in terms of their songwriting and their production. But then to have this song in here, it's sort of like, but they also have not forgotten their roots. They are still very much about celebrating the punk of the past and mm. all of that stuff. I think they, yeah, I think I think the most torn Mike, although I'm sure I'm sure he would say that it's not a contradiction, but he seems to always have sort of one foot in the '80s hardcore scene. And this is where we came from. This is our our roots and stuff. As much as the next NYHC, you know, sick of it all clone kind of. <laughs> bands are you know you, you know precisely the kind of band i mean yeah very much sort of you know they're still wearing the same agnostic front t-shirt that they've had <laughs> since 1981 or whatever um and all of this kind of thing and uh you know only still being able to live in new york because of rent control because they've lived in the same sort of flat for you know and all this kind of thing that you know and they do album after album one every four years about um about coming from a place and mike sort of <laughs> does that in a more sort of elegant and let's face it bougie way 
um, that's fine. But also really wants to sort of talk about how NoFX doesn't stagnate. He said, you only become a legacy band if you don't put out new material. If you just keep on touring the same, you know, if they'd stopped after Punk and Droblick and just kept mm -hmm. playing that shit or whatever, he'd go, no, that's embarrassing and you're being a legacy band. If you're still putting out new shit, you can't be a legacy band because you're always doing something else. So, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But we're, but he's always been sort of very much people should hear. He's, he's one of those people who just sort of demands you listen to things and go, isn't that amazing? I can't believe you don't think it's amazing. Why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> like all good punks. Uh, like all good punks. I mean, I've been precisely that fucking dickhead and um, I'm not proud of it. There you go. Anyway, um, I think with the next song, number four, is one of your favourites. It is, yeah. I think, like, lyrically, it might be my favourite NoFX song. Mm. Uh, love the live version. There are some versions out, because this is the acoustic version on the EP. Of, of your wrong. I feel we should name it for anyone playing along at home. But yeah, <laughs> of course. And, and also, you know, um, uh, interesting to hear this after we've re recently been chatting about um, how how we'd love to hear NoFX do an acoustic album, mm. and then like this track here proves to me anyway that like they're very capable of doing acoustic numbers. I'd like yeah. to, to hear, you know, doesn't have to be a full album. I'd love to hear an EP, you know, five songs, uh, f you know, five of their like 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 some of their hits, but in acoustic form would be brilliant, and I, I'd I'd love to hear that. Yes, well. Um... Uh, there's there's a, an acoustic version of My Orphan Year. I don't know if you've yes. heard that one. That's very good. It's um, I think that might have been um, the inspiration for the Koki the Clown album. Ah. In a way, because it's a very, very sad song done sort of mournfully on an acoustic guitar. And um, have you heard the Koki the Clown album? I've heard the single. Right. Although the No Effects one or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, effects is Koki well, the Clown. Yes, well, Koki the Clown. Mike did a full album as Koki the Clown. It's <laughs> it's okay. hard to listen to. It's a lot. Um, not sonically, like the music is very good. Lyrically, it's it's hard to listen to. Uh, but we will definitely do an episode on that eventually yes. when it when we get around to it. We're still maybe a decade away from it at this point. Wow, was, is Ko Koki the Clown that late? Pretty recent, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, let me just see here. Um, EP, yeah, Koki the Clown was... Oh, no, 2009. So it was only a couple of years afterwards. But that was the... That was the EP. And then... I don't think... Oh, I thought there was only an EP. No, no, no. Well, it's sort of a solo album, basically. It didn't have the rest of No Effects on it. Right. Mike recorded it with someone from Nine Inch Nails. I forget who. Um, oh, so not it, Trent Reznor. That's the only person I know from Nine Inch Nails, uh, and I would have <laughs> said his name. Uh, no, it was, it was some someone from or someone connected to Nine Inch Nails. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was very much a sort of a solo album based on this Koki the Clown sort of character he did a few live shows and stuff and um in the makeup just the guitar um that was the first time i heard the song uh i'm so sorry tony or i'm sorry tony he did it as a sort of he did it like that but then 
decided to do it as no effects instead. Um, because Melvin and uh, Karina Drink uh, were involved in those sort of little live shows as well. I think he did that like South by Southwest. So it wasn't cool. We are off track, but uh, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, for as far as sort of an acoustic album, I don't know. I I imagine he might think that doing an acoustic EP during your farewell tour might be a little bit soft rock <laughs> you know sort of sure you know what i mean it's like um it's a little bit kiss isn't it or a little bit sort of it's the sort of thing you'd imagine poison doing now <laughs> which is probably the most wholesome thing poison have ever done um but uh not for one to trying but yeah you're wrong is wonderful i remember i remember really really getting a kick out of you're wrong when uh, first listening to it because it's very stark. Um, it's one where the words are doing the heavy lifting, even though the melody is really, really nice. Yeah, and there's nothing like to distract from it. Because obviously, like, I think it's quite an interesting choice to make this an acoustic number. Um, because, it, as you said, you know, like the words lead it. Like they're they're not trying to distract you away from it with like heavy guitars or you know, like yeah. sanding on drums. Like it's it's just an acoustic number. Um, I think it's actually quite beautifully sung. Yes, I think so. Um, and, and it is a sort of sister track to Doornails, which we'll get to in the main uh, one. Mm. Another mainly, yeah, another sort of acoustic song about something pretty serious. But we'll we'll get to that all in due time. Then we've got um, we've got the sort of more of this sort of um, Mike's getting into the um, uh, drink and drug use heavily with everything in moderation brackets especially moderation. Yeah, so I mean, like I feel like not 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 as much with wolves, but certainly with like coaster. We're we're oh, like yeah. heading into like Mike's. I take drugs and, and drink now phase. And... Yes, but well, uh, seeing double, having seen Double at the Triple Rock and everything in moderation on the same EP. Yes. I mean, because it doesn't... There's still like a variety of, um, of um, topics on this album. All sorts of stuff. There's still the social stuff. There's still... It doesn't seem as focused... Not that it's unfocused, but it doesn't seem so sort of laser guided to hedonism. It covers it, but it also covers a lot of other things, which I, which is possibly why it's so strong as which, an album. I, it's why I find it found it so interesting when you pointed out to me that um, <clears throat> uh, drugs are good is uh, like a sarcastic song. Like he's being ironic. Like yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't think that drugs make you appear cool and when you told me that i was like quite surprised because my experience of no effects is a bit more like this era of no effects where mike is very much like no drugs drugs are good yes (laughs) and so like i I was really surprised when i found that out well i mean as uh i think he was vegetarian for a long time as well um even after vegetarian mumbo jumbo um (laughs) so uh he's uh definitely able to uh to change his mind when faced with other things so you know that's it i for me i think everything in moderation 
is the weakest link on the EP, personally. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. dislike it. No, I think that I think all of this stuff's good, but it, I, it I, I, good. I think I think the final two tracks aren't quite up to the rest of it. But like, I like. By I'm no going means to bad. Yeah, I think I'm going to hell for this one. I like it because uh, the bass is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, it's um, it's sort of yeah, out and out blasphemous in a in a fun way, which I like. Um. And uh, I just like the uh, the line um, um, about Jesus Christ. He's not the white, fragile hippie. He looks and acts more like an indignant iced tea, <laughs> which um, I think is a is a, is a brilliant image. Um, but yeah, and I like the the harmonies on it. And yeah, I think it's I think this is a, a really really solid EP um, in the traditional sense of sort of you know. Obviously, Decline is an EP, but only because it has to be, because it's so fucking long. Yeah, this is yeah, probably yeah, yeah, yeah. not as long as um, it's not. The no, decline. it's not even. No, it's not at all. But interestingly, um, I think the NoFX on this album or the this EP are starting to sound, you know, more like NoFX than they ever have done before. But also, interestingly, you know, this is an EP without uh, Ryan Green produ- producing them. It is. This is with Bill Stevenson of um, The Descendants, mm-hmm. drummer from The Descendants, and uh, I think he was in Lemon uh, Lemonheads for a while. Um, oh, cool. Of all of all the bands he could be in, yeah, and uh, and Jason Livermore, and so mm-hmm. yeah, still recorded at Motor City, uh, sorry, Motor Studios in San Francisco, which is Mike's uh, one, and. Um, and uh yeah it's um it i i think it's a it's a great bit of work and uh it's uh, there's no no extra uh, musicians on the on it it's just just the four doing what they do um mm. and uh yeah really really nice a nice uh, picture of uh, jesus holding up uh, the peace sign whilst drinking some wine um, i do i think the artwork here really stands out because I think up until this point, there's a lot of artwork, like NoFX artwork, that feels like, you know, Mike's done it on Microsoft Paint. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Wolves in Wolves Clothing, for... Um, <laughs> yeah, fair, yeah. I mean, yeah, when when uh, when I got when I opened this up, because I, I knew what it looked like because they'd released the artwork online, I was like, oh, that is really, really cool. But mm-hmm. it was uh, done by Rick Remender, uh, who's a... Uh, a comic book writer, American animator, TV producer. He's done Uncanny X Force, Venom, Captain America, Uncanny Avengers. Um, oh, Black Science! I've read Black Science. Cool. Um, oh, yeah, worked uh, for Image for a while as well. Yeah, some Image stuff. Uh, were, uh, he wrote Dead Space and Bulletstorm, the video oh, games. Yep, uh, and he turned his. Uh, uh, deadly class thing into a tv series um he was a showrunner and lead writer uh that's cool he's done some really really good stuff um oh cool so what's he uh as a pencil he's done teenage mutant ninja turtles the man with a screaming brain um he's done yeah black science which uh i i remember reading i don't, can't remember much about it but he's done oh he's done some x-men 
Oh, he's done. Uh... Oh, nice. He co-wrote some uh, Punisher War Journal with Matt Fraction. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Dark Rain. Oh, so he's done some Dark Rain era stuff, sort of that uh, mid noughties uh, sort of late noughties stuff. Uh, Secret Avengers, Venom, all sorts of. Oh, wow. Done a nut. He's done a, a big omnibus of uh, Captain America stuff, or he's had an omnibus of stuff. We did. Um, he's done all sorts. Anyway, um, sorry, just getting sidetracked by comics. Um, that's exciting. Yeah. So, um, really, really good piece of work. If you wanted to dedicate, um, yes, if you wanted to dedicate thirteen minutes to no effects. You say, do you know what? I'll, they've got a quarter of an hour. I'd say, do you know what? You don't even need that. Give them 13 minutes, put on this, and you get a very big slice of what no effects are about at this period in time. I'd, I'd actually be inclined to say this is actually a really good way to get someone into no effects. If they are the sort of people who aren't that bothered about Scar and like a bit more weight to the lyrics of bands yes. that they listen to never trust a hippie i think it's uh although i suppose um marxist brothers has got a bit of um not scar so much but sort of you know very much a sort of um yeah, it's got something about it. different vibe to it so yeah really really good slice of it i uh i really really like i remember i had this on in my ears a lot when i was going around madrid on the way to work and all that kind of things. So we've had our uh, we've had our amuse bouche or uh, amuse. <laughs> I don't know what ears is in French. Amuse ears. Main course. Yeah, bit of wolves. Bit of wolves. Wolves and wolves clothing. Um, the least inspiring artwork on any No Effects album. Although they did keep that logo as their backdrop. That's where their joke backdrop comes of from. Of course, yes. The little target in the uh, in the O of No Effects. That bit I like. The rest of it, eh, whatever. Um, it's very yeah, it's very yellow, but uh, that's fine. I do think the artwork on Wolves does the album a disservice. It's possible, isn't it? The first bite is with the eye. I'm continuing this restaurant thing, but yes, the first bite <laughs> is very much with the eye. Yes, chef. Uh, <laughs> We chef behind, so um, yeah, that's all. Um, that's all. Uh, uh, all good. Yes, um, not a lot to uh, sort of talk about there. So let's get right, jump right into the good stuff. Um, does it say who did the? Uh, um, I don't think it even says who did the cover art on. Uh, on the, I don't think anyone did. I think you know, like I mean, that is one of the. <laughs> Easiest oh, no. Photoshop jobs. I could make that oh, sorry, now. Brian Archer, whoever Brian Archer is. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so, uh, again, uh, recorded at Motor Studios in San Francisco. Um, 46 minutes long, but the hidden track is 11 minutes. So uh, it's yeah. 35 minutes long. Um, and it feels like a good duration of time. It's uh, it's eighteen songs, seventeen and a reprise, technically. Again, Bill Stevenson and Jason Livermore and Fat Mike uh, producing it. And uh, yeah, 
really, really good. Came out the 18th of April, 2006. I think I'm going to drop a hot take here. Oh, please. Because I think that we're getting to the point now where I'm like going back on a lot of my decisions in one of our pilots where we laid out favorite albums, uh, you know, favorite tracks, all of that. We answered Um, all of our own interview questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because I stand by it. Like, I think Never Trust a Hippie is now how I would get someone into NoFX. I think it's 13 minutes that displays everything they do. um, And I think it's a good way in. But then also, I, I don't think that Coaster is my favorite no effects album now that we've oh. listened through so many yeah i i do think it's wolves it's it's hard to argue if someone said my favorite album of theirs is wolves you wouldn't have much of a leg to stand on really well, it's, it's 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 sully o'sullivan's favorite it album is. Um, it is yes absolutely but then also funnily enough we ran into uh, a fan of the podcast jez mm-hmm. at uh, teenage bottle rocket a couple of weeks ago and he was saying how War and Errorism is his favorite. And he doesn't really get why people love Wolves. And I thought that's so interesting because that, yeah. I feel like this is um, this has got so much on it that's like, you know, you know, th- this is no effects. Yeah. Um, but in the same way, I do kind of understand because like the songs are all so short that there's like there are songs on like, I mean, how many? There's There's 19 tracks on here. Yes. But there are a lot of tracks that don't necessarily stay in your head. Potentially they're they're too short. Um I don't know, like there's not many like standout moments, I would say, but I just think it's overall a, like a very consistent album. It's quite cohesive, isn't it? Yeah. It, uh well I mean it did it did very well. Kerrang gave it four out of five. Mm-hmm. Uh which uh, it's pretty good. Um, I don't know who Robert Christ Christgau Christgau. I'm ha- I'm hovering over his uh, blue link on Wikipedia, and he looks exactly like Father Mulcahy from Mash, which is <laughs> really weird. Um, so he just looks like a a, a priest who's baffled. Uh, he gave it two stars. Um, Punknews.org gave it three and a half. All Music uh, three. Um, I mean, I don't know what they're on about. I, I mean, for me, I think this is this is just really, really strong. I think uh, so. To give them the benefit of the doubt, and I have to I have to remember, you know, like the music industry was very different back oh. then than it is now, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people's criticism of this album rests on the lack of singles. Because I think apart from seeing Double, there isn't really many standout tracks on this. There's plenty of great tracks on this, but there aren't many tracks that you'd you'd give to a friend and be like, oh, listen to this, and it'd suddenly get them into no effects. It, like, it's weird to have this many album tracks on an album. But, but they're all... In a weird way. But they're great. They're all still managed to be great. It, it's a very interesting album. It's very odd. I think... I think because because I prefer albums to mixes or yes. you know and all that kind of things, I like having an album that's sort of cohesive and makes total sense. And it's just over half an hour, and it 
and it, I think it starts off very differently to every NoFX album. Mm. It starts off very slow, just the drums, and you're thinking, huh, what's this? And it sets out its stall very differently to yeah. all their other albums. And it is how they, you know, they use 60% as their opening track for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect opening track. Yeah, and it's, um, and I, I really like, I think it's great. And it does go exciting and get, you know, get all upbeat. Um, this is my life. And then it gets uh, super exciting and catchy. And it's a fast album. There's super fast stuff on here. Um, you know, uh, was it March to the Beat of an Indifferent Drum? Super fast stuff on there. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you've got all sorts of exciting stuff on this. I think it's a, a really, really good one. My suspicion, and I don't want to speak for Jez. Uh, hello, Jez. Don't want to speak for Jez, but he was saying that, you know, when he got into NoFX, you know, Errorism was his jam. It was like, yeah, sure. this is it. This is the first album since Errorism. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they've stepped backwards from talking about party politics. Yeah, I think aside from... I I mean, like, I I do think that there are elements of this that feel very war on errorism. I I think that that is the album this is closest to in terms of their back catalogue. And I suppose in terms of, like, recording. It is, but sonically, it's quite different. Yeah, it is, The guitars, The guitars are cleaner the uh you know things things are slightly different the bass is more present um and i think it could be like i always said i had a bit of a weird relationship with pump up the valum because it was the first full length after so long mm-hmm. and so being a slap fats fan and having an album like valum which sounds so different to slap fats you sort of you were ho- you're always hoping for your favorite album part two yeah sure you know what i mean you don't i'm sure there are some people out there going actually if uh if they released a brilliant album then they released another one that was really like that brilliant album i'd actually hate it <laughs> because that just shows no progression and it's like yeah whatever but I uh, so it could have been that again. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but that's certainly how I have felt in the past. Because it must, I mean, imagine. I mean, it's certainly more more uh, an extreme. But imagine you being a massive rancid fan, nineteen ninety four. You're like out on the wolves. Oh my god, this is amazing! Yeah. A few years later, life won't wait comes out, and you're like, what is this? It's like it's all it's all like sort of like reggae and mad, you know all these mad mad sort of mad world music album. You'd be like, "What is going on?" You know, yeah. the, the, you could you could be very turned off by that. It would be mad because "Life Won't Wait" is a great album, but you know, you you could you be well within your rights to be slightly surprised. And I do think they kind of like tease war and errorism. Uh, you know, with um, you know, I'm thinking mostly of I think USA holes. Like mm-hmm. USA holes could be on war and errorism. Yes, it absolutely could. And because uh, I, I think that, I mean, uh, um, I think USA holes is a super interesting song. We were lucky enough to hear them play it live uh, yes. when, when we saw them in Leeds. Um, 
And it reminds me of uh, the Irrationality of Rationality, um, which yes. is my favorite track and is on War and Errorism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those tracks where I'm like, it's a little, it's a little too fast. And like my understanding, I mean, well, Mike said it when we saw them live. He said that USA Holes is the hardest song that they have to play. Uh, the hardest song they were playing that night, certainly. Mm. Uh, yes, I think so. Um, but let's 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 uh, let's go into this and uh, and go through them in in order. So yes, sixty percent. Really, really fun. I like this one a lot. Um, and to have it reprise at the end is uh, is kind of interesting. They've done a little Sergeant Pepper thing there because um, it's not really a concept album in any way, but it feels like it is sort of bookended quite nicely. And and I think this sort of admission that they're giving 60%, it's like, you're getting just better than half from us. And I don't think it's true. I think it is a bit tongue-in-cheek. And Well, it's know. why I asked Karina, when Karina was on the podcast, I, I yeah. asked her, like... Red said you, it, everyone. Know. Don't have a go at me. <laughs> but I asked, like, uh, are you a tight band? Like, do you do you practice until you are crazy tight? And then you let it get loose or <clears throat> are you allowed to be a little bit loose because mm. like, you know, no effects, particularly in this song, 60%, it sets out their stall. They're only ever giving it 60%. Um, and, yeah. and I wonder and I how true that is. I mean, she, she gracefully kind of, she kind of half avoided the question. Um, uh, and I get the feeling that they don't try only 60%. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I think that. I think it may have been true at the time, or it may be a slight tongue-in-cheek admission of the fact that sometimes they walk on stage and go, <sighs> "Yeah, you know." But I, equally, I think that it's they're saying that would. I mean, the whole point is is when they go on, they say we're not, we're not, we're here to muck around. We're here to. Um, this is the first time he mentions cocaine, really, as well. The the Russian, the Irish, the German, the Colombian. Yeah. Know, he's uh, talking about all that stuff. But then it said, like, you know, would you rather be fed bullshit? It's like, would you rather we pretended we were having a good time? How you all doing tonight? All that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I think he's saying, look, you might... I think the, the actual intended... This is my intent, my reading of it. I wouldn't be surprised if the intended reading was you know who we are you know what we do we're going to do it some bits of it will be better than others but this is genuinely how we do stuff yeah and i think it's interesting um because this is a different strategy to what they normally do for an opening track we Mm. speak a lot about opening tracks on this podcast uh, I think NoFX are masters of opening an album strongly. They and do a statement of intent. Yeah, sure. yeah. And this is on the same level. Like, I think this is one of their better album tracks. I mean, this might even be their best opening track, but it isn't how they normally start, which they normally Hot start. Red fast. Redmond, 60% is better than the linoleum. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. So, say more stuff like that. We need, we need the listens. <laughs> 
<laughs> it might be though. You know, like I know linoleum is a fanta- is one of NoFX's best tracks. I'm literally but... staring shit red. Don't feel you have to justify <laughs> yourself ever, please. But in terms of like, as you mentioned, setting out the stall of the band and what they intend to do, I think this is brilliant, and it it's it's an it works even better as the first live track, which obviously they've been doing for years. Yeah. Absolutely agree, and uh, yeah, and then going into into USA holes, um, yeah, is 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 great there. Then we get into the um, get into the the lead track on uh, "Never Trust a Hippie." Seeing double at the Triple Rock, they made a video for this and everything. They did, yeah. They're wearing dog collars. They're in a bar. They're drinking pints of Guinness. Um, Jesus turns up. <laughs> sure, um, it's. Um, I, I like seeing Double at the Triple Rock. Um, it's quite nice to just have a song about going out and getting pissed with with the sort of venue where they are and who they're with being the main topic rather than how drunk and fucked up and sort of navel-gazy Mike can be about this topic sometimes. I, I think like if NoFX weren't interested in doing something new each album, which very much feels like their drive, Mm-hmm. I think this would be the opening track. If they, if they were following the standard formula of how NoFX start their albums, um, I, I would imagine seeing this as the opening track to be quite normal. And I actually think it's it's really awesome for you to go from 60%, which I love, to USA Holes, which I fucking love, and yeah. then into seeing Double. I mean, like this is a this is a very strong first three tracks. Yes, um, we've got the... Um... Also got the uh, the lovely harmonies uh, in seeing double. That's the sort of uh, I mean they're they're really good in uh, all of them, but they really they really do stand out on seeing double. Um, yeah, really really good. They they play it a lot. Hefe has to put his guitar up on his knee on the on the monitor to play the riff. Of course, yeah, which is adorable, which just shows uh, how much uh, guitar is tracked on No Effects albums while standing up. Uh, I'm guessing none. So um, it just lets you just behind the. Uh, th- I remember um, really laughing when um, I don't know if you remember um, new metal calamity crazy town. I do, yeah. And in fact, um, there is a bit of the new Barbie movie that uses uh, Butterfly by Crazy Town to a fantastic effect. It's, it's played in the background. Is it? I, did, it I missed is... it completely. I, I, I saw Barbie and I, I didn't hear Crazy oh, it, Town. It's it's played in the background of um uh when when Ken gets his Mojo Dojo Casa House. House. Right, yeah. It is being played in the background and I'm like, that is the I perfect it, song choice. I thought it would have been around then that where I was thinking, well, let me see. What let me see when the toxic masculinity is yeah. is bubbling over. Well, obviously that's when the Crazy Town song. And don't at me. There aren't any other Crazy Town songs. That were, <laughs> and also, what what's what's extra fucking hideous about that is that I think the main riff on that was a sample from a Red yeah, Hot Chili Peppers song. It is, yeah. So it's just it's just oozing with rape. Um, absolutely wow. awful. No, I mean not even allegedly. If you put it in your book, fuck it. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, but I remember seeing uh, it was on MTV years ago when Crazy t- when New Metal was um, was doing its rounds, and um, the guitarist uh, from Crazy Town had to sit on the drum riser to play 
the little bit from the Red Hot Chili Peppers one. I'm like, that's not a hard riff. <laughs> that is really funny. What, what are you doing? I mean, like seeing Double of the Triple Rock. That's that's a slightly that that's a much more complex riff. I'm sure there are plenty of people going, oh, that's because you are shit on guitar. Well, I may be shit on guitar, but uh, <laughs> I got paid to play it last night. So did you? Fuck you. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. I don't know why I got really bitter then. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Seeing Double at the Triple Rock. I mean, I um, for me, this is uh, an eight song an eight song before having a quick look at uh at my watch or uh or what have you i, I would say like uh i'm not the biggest fan of benny got blowed up but I, I i would agree with you on all of the others i think i think up to i mean i, I actually think uh getting high on the down low is one of my favorites on here so I, i'd go as oh, far really? to say track nine minus track seven are all you know oh, cool. top tier fair enough uh yeah no i uh, i like benny um um, I, d- I do like getting high on the down low, but it, it just reminds me of uh, of the Kinks. Fair it takes me out of it a bit. Yeah, okay, bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all day and all of the nights, which I li- again, which I like, but um, for some reason it just pulls me out of the album just a little bit. Um, I hope that hasn't happened to everyone else. But we're we're getting bes- past ourselves. The Marxist Brothers, I think, is uh, one of the one of the 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 wittier, one of the more lyrically. Um, uh, triumphant songs on this album. Well, I think the Marxist Brothers might be the best song on this album. Maybe. I think it's really clever. I completely skipped over. We'll go back to it. It's fine. Oh, of course. We we march to the beat of an indifferent drum. Yeah, which... let's keep, keep on with the Marxist Brothers for a moment if you've got anything more because... Uh, sure. Um, yeah, Mar- Marxist Brothers is incredible. It's also got a line in it which we were kicking ourselves that we didn't uh, call this podcast because yeah. uh, the people's revolution is going to be a podcast yeah we sang that along when we saw them at leeds looked at each other and went fuck <laughs> so there you go so this could have been the people's revolution as it is it's just the punk rock elite i'm afraid sorry everyone <laughs> uh, but you know but- it wouldn't it wouldn't feel right to at the end of interviews to say to our guests well you too are the people's revolution <laughs> yeah yeah, it doesn't quite work, is it? Yeah. I mean, every time I do that, because I started doing it and I can't not do it anymore, but it is a bit, again, it is a bit, um, knowing us, punk rock elite, knowing you, it's just a, <laughs> it's a little bit, it's fine, it's fine. The great thing is, is that we, I don't think we've yet, we've yet to have a guest on who's actually listened to this damn thing. So they don't know that that is a, a really cheesy and embarrassing thing to say. So, um. Hey, everyone needs a catchphrase. That's true. That is true. Um, absolutely true. That is your catchphrase, of course, Red. <laughs> well, 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 if it isn't Red, everyone needs a catchphrase, Redmond. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we march to the beat of an indifferent drum. Uh, love this one so much. I do very much like this. Uh, it's not It's not my, It's not. not one of my favourites. It's not one of my favourites off of this album. Um it kind of feels like it should be on a different NoFX album, in my oh. opinion. But I do think this is very good. It reminds me a lot more of, you know, um, 
earlier no effects i'm struggling to place exactly what era i would put it in or what album i would put it on but it it reminds me more of uh punk and drublick to so long sort of era no effects i will say this is not my preferred version uh-huh my preferred version is the live version with Hefe singing yeah. and the uh, the trombone, and because um, because you get all of the best stuff from this version, which is the Mel Yell, which is the super fast um, bit, the ahs, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but you get the added thing of um, you get the nice keyboards, you get uh, Hefe singing the uh, beginning stuff. I think, um, and and actually, the next album they released after this was their. Um, uh, they've got an even worse live, which features that version. And I don't know if they thought maybe they should have recorded it that way, sure. or uh, and that's why they included it, or if they just went, "Oh, this is fun to do," or you know what have you. I think it's because that bass line is super busy. And I think if Mike was singing it and playing it, he would be um, he would be uh, you know in a bit of uh, trouble. But yeah, uh, yeah love it. Um, the man I killed. I, I get this is one of my favourites off the album. I think I it's really a real earworm. Yeah, um, I've I've had it in the back of my head quite a lot this week whilst doing doing the research uh i think it's brilliant also um a, a final point on the marxist brothers that i forgot to bring up um and i think it's also uh displayed on the rest of this album but like they are really letting hefe do solos now yes like there's a lot of lead guitar work on this which i think has been sadly missing from some of their earlier recordings not all but um some of them they they do go through phases. I think it's very much a serve the song kind yeah. of approach. Um, so that's all uh, that's all fine by me. Again, that's not something I'm going to uh, be so upset about. But uh, yeah, the the guitar solos on this are great. Uh, and yeah. um, the man I killed to get back on track yep. is another song that feels it, this feels almost like a sister track to war on errorism like uh thematically it is about similar things i presume it's it's kind of about a a soldier going away and fighting for his country but you know that's benny got blowed up oh i thought they were both about similar the man i killed i thought was about um about someone who assassinated the president oh okay sure well um i must be wrong they said uh, you know um I was an otherwise caring and respectable member of society, a minor threat except for that one that I killed. And then, um, so someone is assassinated, not necessarily a president, but certainly someone high, an, an important person. Um, and then at the end, uh, the man I killed's replacement planned this whole scenario. So it's someone who's... Oh, yeah. Like, so, so it would be like... Um, you know, the someone, you know, the the person who's next in line to be president, say the vice president has arranged it. And it's like, yeah, I, I did it because I want to make things worse. And you've done a bad thing. That's my reading of it anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, so it's about a man who carries out a political assassination. To, to my ears, it's about a man who carries out a political assassination only to find out he's been, and he's like totally fine with this. He's like, I've made the world a better place. 
by getting rid of this prick. And then it turns out some other cunt hired him to do it so they could be in charge. So, uh, lol. Yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a. Uh, I like it because it's a little Twilight Zone episode um, in a. Uh, yeah. In a, in a no effects song. Um, yeah, I almost expect one of the one of the um, men's toilet figures to walk on after the song's finished, holding a cigarette, saying, um, "Political assassination." No, let's get you know, just start talking <laughs> about you know like that, like Rob Sterling. I thought it'd be cool. But yeah, but yeah, Benny got blowed up. Is about someone who gets clean and joins the army. Yeah. And then dies as a result of being in a war. It's sad. It is sad. Um, but I... Uh, it's... I think it's lyrically stronger than it is musically stronger. Yes, definitely. Um, it's a little bit... It's it's one of those no effect songs that starts with a low chord and then goes to quite a high chord and just goes between those two quite a lot. It's got that kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't there, I wouldn't miss it really, but I don't I don't uh, skip it. But then we move on to um, leaving Jesus Land, which is a real high point on this album. Yeah, and another contender for best track on this album. Oh yeah, um, completely. It's um it's a slower one, but it's got a sort of quite a driving sort of groove to it, I suppose. And um and it you know, it's chosen family, it's um Yes. It's, look, we can all hang out. We you know, that this is quite a wide variety of people that that we could all, you know, get along with. But it's quite hopeful in a lot of ways. There, there is, yeah. There, it's actually sort of quite aspirational. It's a bit like a sort of... It's like if Mattersville was more than one street. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, So it's all, And Mattersville was only on the last record, so maybe that thing of, well, it would be nice to hang out with my my punk friends, but imagine if we got everyone. Um and it and it sets out its stall as to whom no effects feel allied with it's um mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I don't know if the appropriate term is transgens but it certainly flows in the lyrics a bit yeah better. queers but, transgens and lesbians. and lesbians yeah vegan kids vegetarians uh it's it's sort of basically any marginalized groups um if you turn up over here you can have a much better time than if you stay where you are if where you are is shit. And I think it's got that killer combination of it being like lyrically interesting and beautiful, but then also melodically, it really works. Like, like not one is detracting from the other. It, it mm. is both a good song and it means something. Absolutely. And I think also I like, it's got one of those bottles to the ground, weird rhythmical mm-hmm. trip ups right at the beginning. When it's just the just the uh, sort of palm muted guitar, uh, they call the heartland, and then it's sort of it's got a really weird little bit of timing that works, and it's brilliant. And the first time you hear it, you go, ah. and then once you're used to it, you go, well, yeah, obviously that's how the song goes. I think it's uh, I think it's great, and you got the male yell in there. It's um, yeah, it's just a perfect bit of work. Um, yes, a real real highlight of this album for me. Yeah, leaving Jesus Land. And I'll, um, I'll always remember uh, seeing No Effects at Slam Dunk about four or five years ago, and them asking like, "Oh, what songs should we play?" 
and I was with Sully, uh, mm. Sully O'Sullivan, uh, previous guest of the podcast, and he just shouted, leaving Jesus land, like he'd been waiting to say it all day. And <laughs> like visibly, a lot of people turned around and were like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like, everyone was like, we're here to hear linoleum. Yeah. <laughs> Sully's like, no. <laughs> right. First things first, you're all fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, that's a great shout. It wouldn't, it, do you know what? It's not the one that leaps to my head if they were going to um, ask for it. But if I heard, if someone next to me shouted, leaving Jesus land, I'd probably turn around and nod and be like, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, brilliant. And it was great when they did it at Leeds. Yeah, so good. Hello, everyone. Eddie here. Red and I hope you're enjoying our show. If you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily, then you can donate to us at our coffee page, which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite. Or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. Then we get to the Kinks song, Getting High on the Down Low, which I, <laughs> uh, which I do like. Um, it's weird. There's um, Melodically, it's very close to their song, I'm a Huge Fan of Bad Religion. Sure. There's a little bit, particularly with the harmonies and stuff. That bit. But uh, and I do like it, but it is the first one that takes me out of the album just a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. I like um, it's weird this one because it is um, it's it's about someone who's been getting high and then ends up in a car accident. Yeah. So um, still, not one hundred percent drugs are good. Like, no, yeah, they're kind of like skirting it. Yeah, get high, but don't be a prick about it. Which I think is a perfectly good, uh, a perfectly good position to take. I always assumed it was autobiographical, but oh, yeah. uh, maybe I'm I'm wrong on that. Well, I mean, oh, I don't know about that. I don't, if he'd been involved in a car accident whilst on drugs, he'd have mentioned it more than once. Yeah, fair. But interestingly, like uh, the second song in this album so far to be about car crashes there's like a, obviously a whole car crash metaphor in usa holes yes yes well that i i think he'd argue that because that's not a literal car crash yes then that it's okay but uh yeah it's weird sometimes um yeah lyrical themes crop up um the first bit where i sort of go hmm uh properly is cool and unusual punishment yeah i was listening to this song in the car the other day and Kate did not enjoy it. <laughs> oh dear! It's um, I I don't mind it. I like the guitar tone. I like uh, I like quite a lot of it. Um, but I just sort of it with all of the sort of issues and topics being covered, it feels far less weighty. Yes, and it feels a bit more like what I did on my summer holidays. Well, there hasn't been much, like, sex stuff up until this song on the album. like, And there isn't any afterwards. No, yeah, really interesting. Because it's obviously usually one of, like, the more prevalent themes in an OFX album. There's certainly Um, recent ones. Yeah, and I think this is one of the more, uh, you know, in-your-face songs about um, 
sex and BDSM that yes. they do. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it's not like any of the other songs on the album. Um, no. My partner pointed out that like, you know, she, she's not the biggest fan of no effects. Um, but like, she was like, but usually it's at least melodic and in the right key. But obviously there's like that sort of like, guitar line that sort of like that's uh that's melvin playing that really yeah how interesting yep because uh, i i would have been certain that that would have been el jefe because it it feels very jazz influenced no it's just an, it's just out of key fair yeah <laughs> yeah it's um yeah, no, that's uh, that's Melvin who plays that bit. He play he plays more lead stuff than than you might think. But yeah. if it's like a sort of a blistering like classic rock solo, not classic, but you know, if it's more in that vein, that's definitely definitely Hefe. Yeah. Um yeah, it's just sort of I don't know, I just don't really know what it's doing here. Mm. It feels like that's the sort of thing that would end up maybe on a punkarama. Or maybe just be for a uh, for an EP or something like that. You know, it's it sort of I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it feels I, I, like it should be on Pump Up the Valor. It does a little bit, but it's got a bit too much of a sort of a swing to it. But um, I'm, I'm kind of always surprised when I'm listening to Wolf on uh, Wolves in Wolves Clothing. When this song comes on, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is on this one for some yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. it's um, And it also sort of just peters out at the end. It doesn't really end. It just sort of goes, Ugh. There's a couple of those on here, which I'm not a little too bit. sure about. But but now, would you say this is... Because like, there's more talk on this album of LGBT stuff, of queer stuff of bdsm stuff it, is this a point where mike is coming out like is there a definitive point where mike comes out in his back catalog? i think i think he comes out as bdsm a bdsm indulger as a bd as someone who enjoys bdsm before the transvestite stuff yes i think but I don't know that at this point, no, I'm pretty sure there's still a few years before he's sort of openly wearing like camisoles and, you know, skirts and stuff in public. Um, I think he's definitely talking about uh, being flogged and all that. Kind oh, of yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think. Um... No, it's it's a little way away because I, I think he's. I th- I, I I don't want to devolve this into gossip, but I I think he's still married to his first wife at this point, and and all that kind of stuff. But I I could be I could okay. be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, but then we get to um, get to another highlight for me, the title track itself, um, which does a lot of heavy lifting in pulling me out of the uh, huh feeling you get from cool and unusual punishment. Uh, Wolves and wolves clothing banger for me yeah i think this is really good um i also think this next section is interesting because i know i think it speaks to why i think this album is interesting like 
the next few songs just kind of flow into each other. Yes. Um, it's almost like a, a little mini decline here. <laughs> yes. Um, particularly in the way that Wolves goes into Cantado, like yes. almost seamlessly. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a, a point where the album rejuvenates. I think there's plenty of good stuff from here on out towards the end. Um, when previously, I mean, you know, we, we have done some NoFX albums recently, which I think kind of run out of steam towards the end. And I, I, I don't think this one does. No, uh, no, I think, it, I, I think because a lot of these songs are very, very short. Yes. They sort of flow through them quite nicely. Like Cantado en Español, it's sort of, it's, uh, I don't... It's I another don't... My Heart is Yearning, isn't it? Well, sort of. I mean, I my Spanish is not as good as it used to be, but I've got the lyrics up here. Of the stuff that I... Um, uh, after 235 songs, something about more lyrics, or lyrics are something more, um, I don't have anyone for this uh el jefe sings the sad melody uh or of love of the heart um uh something about speaking spanish um i something can't understand anything that i'm singing um for the others um fuck your mum so <laughs> that's that could be wrong but that's my uh that's from my very rusty spanish that's what i uh, i think so and that's not a complete thing there's some missing there um but it he's doing a similar he's doing a slightly less silly voice than on my heart is yearning but um, yes it is an El Jefe silly voice that we get. It is an El Jefe silly voice. So, uh, Tick, we've not had one of those for time. Mm. Um, they didn't even let him do his Jamaican voice on Anarchy Camp on the last one. He had to... I know, right? Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, 100 times fucked. Uh, again, but... I think this is another absolute banger. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, I, uh, I'm fond of that one it it does pick it back up do you know what even the songs on this that i'm not that thrilled about they do a very good job of picking it back up again very quickly afterwards yeah, they do yeah so um i'm i'm happy with that um uh yes like a instant classic uh right so this song feels like an in joke that i'm not a part of because it's like yeah. it starts like a perfectly usual no effect song. I'm like, oh, it'd be interesting to see where this goes, and then it it just ends. And I'm guessing that it has something to do with the band Crass because it's I don't an think so. I think, I, think it's, I think it's just because they're being Crass singing about body see, fluids and stuff. Is that all it is? I've got a dreadful feeling it might be. I I don't understand because it's like. I don't know. You've wrote a, a perfectly decent opening verse. Do you not want to finish the song? 
I mean, I'm fine with them not finishing the song. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's 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 a bit like cool and unusual punishment. I'm like, what? Why did you think this was the place to put this? Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's weird because this this album to compare it directly to its predecessor, this is a lot less party politics. They're not preoccupied with Republicans and Democrats and or whatever. This is a lot more sort of bigger picture. Like leaving Jesus Land, it's like it's it's where they're sort of going. Well, it's the religious fundamentalism that's causing these problems because. If the Republican Party, for example, wasn't so tied to the evangelical sort of wing of of the of Christianity in the US, then they wouldn't have to be so harsh on things like sexuality, like uh, drug use, you know, all these kind of things. Yeah. And if you took that out of it, then Republicans would essentially be people who go, I think people should be a little more fiscally responsible. Um, or maybe that's the idea. Right? Whether that would happen or not, I've got no fucking clue. I'm I'm not an expert in any of these things. But it seems that this is a lot more of a socially political thing than a party political yeah. thing. Is Absolutely. what I was trying to say with all of that nonsense. So, um, and so things like uh, that's why there's a lot more. So like uh, you will lose faith, for example, is about mm-hmm. uh, how shit does your life have to be before you stop believing that someone is out there looking after you. Yes. Loosely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to finish off the instant classic chat, like... Oh, sorry. You don't normally get songs fading out. No. Not usually a NoFX thing. I don't know. It just feels like... I don't know what the fuck they were doing on that. No, I don't. It seems seems weird to devote time to it. But, uh, you know... Yeah, looking at this, this could have been 15, 16 tracks and have lost none of its um, none of its flavor for me. But yeah, it doesn't last very long, to be fair. It's like it's like 30 seconds or something like that, isn't it? It's yeah, 34 really... seconds. Like, what's 34. the point? <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. It sometimes turns up in their um, eight songs in six minutes. Uh, okay, yeah, stuff. Sure. Sometimes it turns up in there, but they've got plenty of those songs. They don't anyway, doesn't matter. Um but yeah, so um yeah, you will lose faith. Um I like that one a lot. It's um yeah. Yeah, yeah it's nice and fast, it picks it back up again. Melody's good. Um and it's got some nice uh, tempo changes as well. Nah, 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 nah. That's the different. That's the wrong song. But it's got it's it's, <laughs> it's got it's got those sort of you know RKL or hardcore style sort of tempo changes. Um, solid, but um, it's, it's not one of my not one of my absolute favourites. But I like that it's there. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, one celled creature. Good bit of Mel yell. Yeah, great Malyal. And uh I think this is uh I think this is about propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Uh cuz propaganda made some jibes at uh, no effects and no effects make them back and they've got a very strange relationship those two bands. Well, 
Fat Mike and those and and propaganda. Well, I don't think Fat Mike cares what anybody's saying about him as long as he can release it on his record label. Well, yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> yep, he will release um, songs that are critical of him if he thinks they're good songs. Um, I I don't think he particularly cares, and um, and that's that's makes him uh, bigger than me certainly because uh, I would have been um, I would definitely throw my uh, throw my toys out of the pram about that. But uh, that's what he's he's happy to do it, and um, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he thinks that if he does release it, that'll annoy them even more. But I don't know. It's weird. He because he was like. He was I think a... that he knows that when someone is winding you up, they want you to rise to it, and I think he just refuses to. It's very possible. Yeah. Um, it's a shame because I I love propaganda and uh, and I know that Mike really likes the first propaganda album. He's like that is like one of the best things ever. And I know that when they did like um, today's Empire on Tomorrow's Ashes and started being a bit thrashier, a bit more, sort which of does metal. get mentioned in uh, the Marxist Brothers. Yes. Oh yes, uh, on Soviet red vinyl. Um. And and uh, I know that uh, he sort of he went off them a bit. Um, he didn't really uh, didn't really care for that direction of music, um, but that was the kind of music they wanted to make all along. So yeah, it's a I strange like run. Propaganda like no effects, but if they took themselves really seriously, it's weird, isn't it? Because. Um, it sort of feels like they take themselves very seriously. I imagine they possibly don't. Yeah, I've heard that as well from people like that actually they're they're quite chill in real life. I think they I think they like the music they they like, the music they want to make sounds very self-important and like sort of angry and stuff. But I mean just just on a side note that you know they've got that great song that goes, I like to party fucking hard. I like my rock and roll the same. And they got really annoyed when uh, people turned up who were taking that lyric literally. Like, oh, yeah, these are my kind of guys. I like this shit. <laughs> and, um, which is what happens when, um, when you know, like uh, sort of people sing as characters and they're sort of like, uh, you know, they'll sing as like someone like, oh, I love my country and everyone else is stupid. We're going to kick your ass and you know, all this kind of stuff. And people turn up, they're going, yeah, finally, a bit of patriotism around here. Didn't Black Flag have a similar thing when they released TV Party? Um, yes, is, very Isn't like... that like them making fun of like bros, you know, yeah. hanging out with like a six pack, but then like bros hanging out with a six pack started going to their shows? <laughs> Black Flag are precisely the kind of band that uh, encounter right. this kind of shit. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> um, it's a uh, it's a great shame, but that's how it goes sometimes. But, um, but I, I think my difficult relationship with propaganda starts and ends with I'm just I'm just very suspicious of how high that guitar is that he's playing. Yeah, just very suspicious of high guitar players. Yeah, I, I I know precisely what you mean. It's sort of you know you you hear Rage Against the Machine and you go, that's some groovy shit, and then you see Tom Morello, Tom, Tom Morello, <laughs> nipples and shit, and it's like, <laughs> guys, can we? Can... Look, that, they play very technical music, um, propaganda. So maybe that's uh, that's why. 
but um, yeah, <laughs> I I no, I I always have uh, I I always, but then you know it's I thought there was uh, someone on um, WTF with Mark Maron was talking about how um, you can't play guitar over the cock; you have to have your guitar below the cock or above the cock. And I was like, you talk about over the cock is precisely where the guitar should go. That's Absolutely, pretty, it should be. That is, that, is, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What do you think Johnny Ramone is going to play the guitar lower than he did? <laughs> Already had one foot either side of the stage. Are you fucking... Inc- uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> You're either Peter Hook or Ian Curtis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And never yes. the twain shall meet. No, 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 absolutely not. You don't cross the streams. Uh, it's not, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> precise. One band and they got both of those, uh, both of the extremes of guitar positioning. <laughs> um, amazing. Oh, wow. We've come to one of my favorite songs on this album. Oh, yeah. And similar to uh, You're Wrong, we've got Doornails. <laughs> yes. Now, Doornails is possibly the most no effects song on this album okay because we have got the celebration of drug use yes the idea that people who use drugs are cool yeah and we've got a lot of old dead punks being name checked of course yeah yeah, yeah. so and also i think it's wonderful it, it it's got that same you're wrong vibe in that it's just um very very uh stripped back there's backing vocals on it hefe's doing some uh, doing some lovely backups on it and the uh and there's also a reference to mash on it which i'm very very pleased about <laughs> uh because the uh the chord sequence is not dissimilar to the theme from MASH. Sure. By uh, Richard Altman. What, uh, Suicide no, is Painless? Suicide is Painless. And it even says Suicide isn't painless when you leave everyone in pain. Yeah. So, and yeah, written by I Johnny suppose, Mendel. Because hmm? also this would have followed uh, the Manic Street Preachers famous uh, cover. Oh, they, they did suicide. that in like, they did that while Richie was still uh around so that i think it's one of i think it may have been the last video they did with richie very likely yes and i love their version um that was for an nme um yeah cover disc flexi disc thing yeah Uh, oh no they did release it on cd because i have a copy of it somewhere i found it in a charity shop and went yes please um but yes so uh it's about lots and lots of um their of their friends who uh who have died yeah and again another example of like why the fuck have no effects not done an acoustic album <laughs> yes there's um there's some footage online there are different performances of it when they were on tour with old man markley as support yeah and they have uh, johnny from old man markley playing guitar and they have the guy who plays the bathtub bass sure from old man markley playing with them and mike and hefe singing it and um and they're brilliant those uh, those performances and recently i've seen on instagram 
Stacy fucking D from uh, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, who I understand is uh, after the European dates, uh, is heading back to the US for some sort of surgery, uh, wishing her the best for all of that. Mm-hmm. She's been playing uh, guitar and possibly singing um, for their for when they do door nails, and uh, hopefully someone has videoed that so I can watch it because it sounds brilliant. But yeah, there's all sorts of people in here. There's a bomber mentioned who's the drummer for RKL. Sure. Um, a big, big influence. Uh, I know that uh, Lynn and Dobbs, Lynn was Lynn Strait from Snot, and Dobbs was his dog uh, who died in a car accident, both of them, very sadly. Um, and I couldn't tell you... Uh, any of the other ones because I don't know these people by their first name, which is a, uh, uh, but yeah, I think it's a very sad and very, uh, heartfelt song. And I really, really like it. And I remember being super impressed when it came out because it was sort of, there's a sort of a maturity to know that that song didn't need anything else to it, I guess. Yeah. And, and and again, I know you've already said this, but in the same vein as you're wrong, like it's letting the song sort of sing for itself. And I think that it's a really good addition to this album because, I mean, this album has everything, you know, like it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Yeah. You'll have a good time. You know, it's, yeah, it's completely. a good. Yeah, I think it's. Um... I think it's a uh, uh, yeah, it, it's wonderful. And then. Um, you barely let that fade out and it just flows into the reprise of 60%. And um, and in this bit, it's, uh, it's basically talking about that, um, you know, people do talk shit about us a lot, but that's because we've got a much better deal going on than they do. And it's... Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, I mean, the, what's the I'm going to quote the lyric specifically here. Um, the self-crowned kings of candor, sultans of slander, bastions of DIY. And it's, and you can't argue. No. Huh? And it's, you know, they're saying, look, we, we, you know, of all the bands we know, we do make more money. We do have more fun. We don't have people telling us what we have to do, where we have to go. You know, they're not doing the K-Rock weenie roast. They're not doing, you know, <laughs> you know, like we don't have to do Warp Tour anymore. We yeah. don't have to do these things that aren't fun. You know, we can do precisely what we want and we get to reap all of the benefits. And um, jumping back last week to uh, our interview with Frank Turner, who spoke on that very eloquently, they are they are equally the kings of DIY alongside Fugazi. They just do it in a very different way. Yeah, absolutely. But no less DIY. Everything, you know, Fugazi stuck to a sort of, well, tickets are going to be 45 cents and we're going to do this and do that and do the other. It's as if inflation doesn't exist, guys. I mean, come yeah, on. No. Maybe Fugazi would still be touring if they had a little bit of leniency in yeah. that definition. 
Yeah, if there's, you know, uh, $5 brackets, 1986 money, close brackets, you know. <laughs> um, it's, um, and and there is something for keeping prices as low as you can. And all Absolutely, that kind of, of course. And that's what tickets will be, $5 or whatever. But, you know, to be mean. fair, I mean, we saw NoFX's second final show in the UK Tickets for that for a, were about 60 quid. And I spoke to some people like, what, 60 quid to see no effects? It was a full day. Like, it was a yeah. full festival day with, you know, I mean, you have less than J-Con, Lagwagon, and, you know, the Mets, they weren't even. The Mets, Kids, the Co-Dependents. Yeah, there were five other bands. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great price. Yeah. There were five bands for 60 quid. And one of them was no effects doing their last shows. Yeah, and the not, you know, and two of the others were less than Jake and Lagwagon. I mean, like, exactly. You know, the, how how much would it cost to go and see those bands individually, assuming that they came to the UK anyway? Yeah, you know, uh, it's not that's not me having to go at them. It's hard to play the UK at the moment. Of course, fuck, it's hard to live here. But um, you know, that's um, so you know that is not a that that is a fucking bargain, mate. Because they could have they could have easily just filled it up with UK bands. Absolutely, but they didn't. You know, they they did what they were going to do, and uh, and that's great. So yeah, I think sixty um, percent reprise might sound like a brag or a boast, but I think it is literally saying it how it is. We've been doing this our way for this long, and this is, and this is what that means. It means that we can do all of these things. It means that we have all these things, and. Obviously, you can, you know, they might be saying that in a, you might think it sounds like a yeah, 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 yeah. But equally, you know, if people are talking shit about them, if people are, you know, slagging them off and the like, I mean, who wouldn't be jealous of that setup? If you're a creative person and you get to call your own shots and know that, you know, it's very likely that everything you do will be a success, more or less, that you will make on whatever it is you do yeah i don't know many people i don't think i know anyone with that knowledge you have to work super hard to you know try and make anything out of anything even if you have a fan base yeah and i think that uh the, the reprise does a really good job of like i i think and i might be wrong but i think with wolves they set out to make a cohesive album not like um a list of singles but like something that works together that the songs complement each other and yep. i think that ending this on a reprise of the opening track is a really clever way of rounding that off yes i think um yes i think you're right there's something something very um i think it's also uh, sort of quite satisfying sonically to have it uh, although that isn't the end of the album uh no of course technically not. what you get then is um it's, it's a really interesting um hidden track yes it's about 11 minutes of um mike just sort of playing the songs playing like basically demoing all of these things playing little stabs of music and then going nah, 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 over the top to sort of put a melody onto it <laughs> and so you get all these sort of weird demo tracks of the songs that you've just listened to mm-hmm. um which for songwriters and people who like to know the little nuts and bolts 
probably pretty interesting, but I'm not going to go into it greatly here because uh, that that description is about as good as I can give. Yeah, I think I think that basically sums it up anyway. Yes, I will add though. Um, my copy of Wolves and Wolves Clothing was two discs because you got oh. a free. Um, oh wow, you got a free sixteen-track sampler from Fat Records. I only which know, is, is so good you haven't yes. noticed it until just now. Yeah, I know. I, I I must have known, but I haven't. To be honest, I've, once I'd put all these things on my computer, I've just basically been transferring them from computer to computer. And yeah. for the longest time, you know, I didn't own a CD or I had a CD player, but it was like in a loft at my parents' house. I was like, you know, in a, an attic for people who think I had a loft apartment. Uh, I, but you know, it was just in storage, basically. But yeah, so you got two songs from the loved ones. Uh, two songs each from the Loved Ones, the St. Catharines, None More Black, the Lawrence Arms, Smoke or Fire, Love Equals Death, Western Addiction, and Good Riddance. Great. Yep. Uh, including Jane by the Loved Ones, which is a song I love a lot. Um, um, yeah. I am, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to shoot off in a sec. I've got like a Zoom call at, at one. But, oh, okay. Um, no problem. We'll, but we uh, can wrap, we'll... wrap this up and do yeah, yeah, yeah. intro outro another time. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. No, we'll do that when it when it gets to it um so that's wolves and wolves clothing uh do you agree do you disagree punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com uh let's know what you think of this and this is one that i'm genuinely really interested to hear what people think on this particularly after having the conversation with jez at teenage bottle rocket to know that there are dissenting opinions on this album it it intrigues me and i really want to know uh why um same same uh because i do think the albums around here you know like i, I think wolves punk and Drublick, so long i i i think they're all great for very different reasons and i think it's difficult to judge them side by side because they're all doing something different yes the 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 band evolves the band changes it moves it's a very transient band Whilst yeah. remaining themselves, they they flow through different forms. And, well, you know, uh, liquid music, Li- absolute liquid music. So uh, <laughs> brings us full circle. That was our reprise. So uh, that works. <laughs> Lovely. We've done it. Cool. Well, we'll uh, jump back out and uh, see you all in the outro. That's what you want from a no effects release. Yes, lots and lots and lots of songs under three minutes. Yeah, lots and lots of good shit. And the shit was good, can't deny. Absolutely. So uh, that's exciting. We're uh, we're going to be we're going to be back next week uh, with the great No Effects experiment. Ooh! Oh yeah. yeah, forgot about this one. Yes, we take an unsuspecting punk. <laughs> with little to no knowledge of no effects give them a playlist and leave them in a darkened room for 24 hours with only that playlist well, we're kind of testing happens. one of the questions that we ask our guests in that we've we always are. asked what's the best way to introduce someone to no effects mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of different answers and we decided to put together a playlist of 10 songs mm-hmm. some of our listeners voted on it uh, some of the songs were chosen by ourselves. 
And it's really nice to like properly test out something that we've been talking about on the podcast for so long. Yes. So if you want to find out what those are, we might put up the playlist uh, beforehand. We might not. We might wait until the episode. That would be more exciting. You Um, could find it on Spotify now if you were very clever. If you were very clever, you could. Um, (laughs) And I think... um, but I think I'd, I'd quite like the uh, I quite like the conversation to happen in real time. So we'll we'll wait until the uh, till the episode comes out, and then we'll include that on our on our Instagram. Yeah, and you can see it. We can talk about what yeah, because there'll be a lot of debate about. We've only given our test subject ten songs out of all yeah. of No Effects, so we we know that that isn't enough to get a full idea of what no effects is about so it's hard we've, we've done a good job i think i think so yeah we've uh full disclosure we've just recorded that episode so we know the results we're not gonna let you know them now but we will let you know that it's definitely worth listening to if you're thinking of how to introduce somebody to it so uh that's very exciting so uh you got anything coming up red i have Got some big gigs at the Lead Mill. Uh, so I'm looking after Munya Chihuahua and John Kearns, two stars mm. of Taskmaster this weekend, both doing sold out shows on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Lovely. it's it's one of those where, like, you know, I haven't looked at my diary past that because they're big shows and I need to get them out the way before my brain can even comprehend another week of life. Uh, you're having the opposite uh, to me. I've just looked through three weeks in a row and gone, oh. but I'm sure that'll change as it goes on. No, I've, I have nothing worth shouting about. I have I have some uh, smaller gigs to uh, work on um, material for my uh, show that I'm currently working on. It's called Poser because obviously it is. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's it's just the very boring groundwork of, is this idea funny? They thought it wasn't. It might not be. I'll try it again. It might be. No, I've never been funny. Oh, God. <laughs> throw, throw myself off a bridge. Get back up onto the bridge. Maybe I am funny. You know, it's one of those periods. So the the least fun bit of a uh, of, of the creative process. But hopefully that'll be uh, over sooner rather than later. So if you've got anything you'd like to let us know about, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com or you can go to any of our socials and speak to us on there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. We're on threads now. Oh, are we? Yeah. No one else is. Well, no. there are like 20, 20 million other users on there because I don't know if you know this, but you li- <laughs> you literally cannot leave threads. No, not without nuking your Instagram as <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, you have to get rid of your Instagram profile. Um, I, I think other. they're bringing in a change to that. I think they are uh, they are separating <laughs> the two. But initially, yeah. The thing is, is that you can just sort of mute your account and just sort of leave it there floating. So. Yes. Uh, every time I've gone on there, there's always been recent posts. So uh, I assume people are just cross-posting from Insta. Uh, it doesn't support hashtags. How weird. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but if if you are a committed Threads user who only uses that, then speak to us on there. Why not? It's all good. Um, let me see. Did we have any... Um, Uh, any correspondence oh yes we did have a little bit um chris stockhill 
Hello, Chris. Got in touch on Insta to say, hey, up. Was Red perhaps thinking of the version of Time Bomb from the BBC Sessions that has a slower reggae section rather than radio? It could be. I could also be a fucking idiot, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I still maintain that I have heard a better version of radio played by Rancid. But you know what? It might have just been like the live version that I saw when I saw them live once. Um, I just, I, I swear that I've heard a version of Rancid playing that song where they do the same vocal pattern as they do on the NoFX one, where they go like radio, 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 radio. as opposed to the radio, version radio, of the album. Radio, radio, just, radio, radio, radio. Yeah. I just swear that I'd, I'd heard. Who I, knows? Because like, did Fat Mike come up with that, like, it's, I suppose, melody change? Because it's really good. He does He does that a lot. And I think there's also a harmony in there. And there isn't a harmony in the Rancid one. That's very mm. much ah. a unison vocal. Yeah. So we may never know. Uh, some things we'll just, we'll just have to live with the fact that we will never know. Absolutely. But... Uh, there are some things we do know, which is that we'll be back next week with our great no effects experiment, which is going to be exciting. So we will see you then. Thank you ever so much, Red. Thank you, Eddie. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick scrapes and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.